San Antonio Sports Star Audio Vault is brought to you by AA Best Bail Bonds. 225-2121 or online at mybestbailbonds.com. It's time for your in-depth look at the world of gaming. Here we go! The Meta with Katie Barber. Hello, everyone. You're listening to the very first episode of The Meta right here on San Antonio Sports Star, ESPN AM 1250 and 94.5 FM. I'm your host, Katie Barber, and we're going to break down all things video games and esports. To start, I'm going to talk about what's going on in esports this weekend. Then I'll... Then I'm going to be speaking with Jonathan Fatality Wendell about his career in esports. And then I'm going to have San Antonio Sports Star's own James Pledger in to talk about video game news. You mind if I come in now? Yeah, sure. Yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because we do have in- exciting things going on right now, like right? Right. especially in the world of esports. Like things are going on as we speak, whether it's League of Legends or San Antonio Pokemon tournaments within our own town. Like this is this is a good time in esports. A- absolutely. League of Legends Worlds has been going on for a month now and the grand finals started at seven o'clock this morning. The reigning world champ is taking on a team from China and they'll figure it out by the end of the day and one team's gonna walk away with over two million dollars. Oh man, I wish I if only video games and money were like a real occupation when I was a kid Mm -hmm. because I thought I was going to be a pro gamer when I was a kid. I was like, I'm going to be a pro gamer, but pro gaming wasn't a real thing as a kid when I was a kid. Well, you might actually find that that's a different story that Fatality (laughs) provides us with. Uh, He started gaming in the late 90s and is still a prominent gamer today. And we're going to talk to him after the first break. Um, But before we get there, I just want to talk about what you can play today in San Antonio. PokeFest San Antonio started yesterday, but there's still some tournaments scheduled for today, the first of which will start right when the show ends at 1 o'clock with Super Smash Bros. Ultimate. They're also going to have Pokemon Tournament, Street Fighter V, Guilty Gear, and they'll wrap up with Mortal Kombat 11 at 5 o'clock. Next week, I'm actually going to be bringing in the head honcho at Texas Gaming Empire, Chris Sines. He lives here in San Antonio, and he runs tournaments and events all over the state, including this weekend in Fort Worth at the Pro Support TCG Weekend. That's awesome. I'm excited about that. I mean, I know we have things that go on in this town, but you've got to be super plugged in. Mm -hmm. And... To find out about poker tournaments and things going on within our own city, that's always fun. And that's what the meta is supposed to be about. That's what we're here for. We're here to kind of keep you apprised of what's going on and alert you to some of the fun things that are coming down the pipe. Mm-hmm. Well, of course, you've got Fatality coming up, and he's going to give a great story about how he got into gaming, what it's like, how he parlayed his first sponsorship deal, which was incredibly cool. But at the same time, like, we've got tons of games that mm-hmm. drop all the time. Mm-hmm. Like, coming up, coming out yesterday, <laughs> yesterday, Call we had COD yeah. Vanguard, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The newest COD comes out. And then in a couple of weeks, we got Van- uh, uh, Battlefield 2042 coming out. Indeed. It's a, it's a good month for games. And uh, we're going to hit the game news after we talk with Fatality. And he's going to be coming up right after this break on San Antonio Sports Star, ESPN AM 1250 and 94.5 FM. The Meta with Katie Barber on San Antonio Sports Star. 
Hello, my friends. I'm so excited to finally be here on the Meta on San Antonio's Sports Star ESPN. I'm your host, Katie Barber. I work here in the Radio Ranch as the news reporter at KTSA News and am the managing editor over video game news on the Texas-based pop culture news website, Cinelinks.com. I'm so ready to dive into the wild world of esports and video games with all of you. For my first interview, I felt there was no one better to chat with than Jonathan Wendell, aka Fatality, as a world champion in multiple games. He's widely considered one of the first major pro gamers here in the United States, and for a time he held the world record for video game competition winnings. In our chat, we talk about his journey to pro gaming in the late 80s, early 90s, how his life as an athlete was influential to his winning attitude, how he learned the business side of the industry to propel him to the success he's still enjoying today, how all of that stacks up into how the industry has evolved into the beast that is esports, and how he's working to bolster the industry in his own ways. After my chat with Jonathan, we'll hit the news in the gaming world with James Pledger. He's the co-host of the Saturday Morning Hangover on Saturday mornings from 9 a.m. to 11 and is the producer of the Blitz weekdays in the afternoons from 4 to 7. And to wrap up, I'll get you caught up to date with what's happening in the wide world of esports. Now it's time to jump in. Here's Jonathan Fatality Wendell. But so to get started before we dive all the way into your career, I... Yeah. Would love to know just kind of how you got started playing games before your career started. Yeah, from the very beginning, I mean, I think I was probably four or five years old. My dad, he had a computer uh, in the house, and we used to play Microsoft Flight Simulator. Then my dad bought a Nintendo, the NES, and like my neighbors and friends around my neighborhood had like Atari and all these other things. So it was kind of like, you know, the mid-80s were really kind of an interesting time for gaming, I feel like. Because everyone was like kind of like trying to figure out what's going on. There's a lot of competition with all the different things you could play on. But I think NES really took the world by storm, and everyone started playing Mario Brothers and playing Duck Hunt and uh, all these different uh, goofy games like Sight Bike. Uh, I think <laughs> uh, the game I, I remember playing, the first game I remember playing really is Akari Warriors. It was a third-person shooter game. Uh, it was a cool game. You know, like shooting the you know, a gun and throwing grenades and getting into tanks and stuff like that. And the game was really fun. Uh, I, I, I enjoyed it a lot as a kid and I was like, wow, this is really amazing. But something I did is a fun thing. And I remember playing baseball with my dad, uh, heads up, like one-on-one, mm-hmm. uh, playing baseball. And I think the game was called baseball. <laughs> then it, it was very advanced in the eighties. <laughs> uh, but, uh, but yeah, it was fun. It was something I did with my dad and and we just, you know, my, my sisters, they really enjoyed playing as well with me. And you, you're a, a, an athlete also, and a lifelong athlete. Were you playing, like, baseball and other sports also as a kid? Yeah, I was playing baseball since T-ball. Uh, so I was <laughs> five, when I was five years old, I, was, I think I was already, uh, five or six, I was already playing baseball. And then eventually I moved in. I played baseball for, like, six, seven years. Played every season. And then I think um, when I was around 12 or 13, I ended up playing football. Played Pop Warner football. We actually won the national championship uh, in, uh, for Pop Warner when I played. It was really cool. We had a really good team, and we actually traveled to Redwood City, California, and won the Pop Warner like championship game there. That was a lot of fun as a kid. Uh, you know, just playing sports my whole life. I just loved competition and so forth. And you know, I think as I got older, as a teenager, I got I eventually fell in love with like tennis, and I started playing tennis. I was team captain of my tennis team in high school. Ran cross country my senior year. Yeah, I've always I've always kind of excelled at you know hand eye coordination type of things and you know sports. I didn't really see much different from traditional sports and esports. Um, so I I saw I had a lot of skill in both of them and I thought that was kind of 
interesting. So obviously you were able to channel that competitive desire that, that you had in sports into games. But where did you get that opportunity to compete in um, video games for the first time? So Blockbuster, if you remember Blockbuster back in the old I days. <laughs> so Blockbuster uh, used to have these, hold these tournaments. Um, they hold tournaments for it, the games. I think I the tournament I played in was the game where they had NBA Jam, Clay Fighter, and I think Sonic Hedgehog 3, I think it was. But they had a tournament for it, uh, and I actually I took first place in my city for NBA Jam. That was like my my skill was playing NBA Jam. I just liked, you know, he's on fire, you know, and you know whatever the slam dunk. And what year was that? Do you board. remember? Nineteen ninety three, ninety. It was like nineteen ninety three, I think. Um, and so basically, I I ended up taking top three in my city. So I, I didn't advance. I think you had to take first place to advance. Um, but for me, it was like a lot of fun just competing against all the guys in the city. And it's like, oh, I'm pretty good at these games. Like, you know, it was like, you know, I didn't I didn't really play Clay Fighter or Sonic Hedgehog. I was only really good at NBA Jam. So I literally went in there and like I just took first place in NBA Jam. And then the other two, I kind of took like, like I think I took third and fifth or something like that. And so um, <laughs> a place is yeah. a place. Yeah, so the the I, I just wasn't really good at collecting coins in Sonic Hedgehog, I don't think. <laughs> uh, but it was just really weird, like, trying to get high score in those type of games. Uh, but, uh, yeah, that was kind of my first glimpse at, uh, you know, if I practice at something, I can get really good at it. Because I really did practice at NBA Jam under the rules that the tournament was for NBA Jam. To, okay, you play two quarters, and it's the high score of two quarters. So there were certain teams that played really well. Um, I think I used the Pacers, I think, because I had a Chris Mullen, the three-point shooter uh, guy. And uh, you could just shoot, shoot three points all the whole game uh, until, like, the third or fourth quarter. Like, he didn't really make as many. Um, and it was just it was just built into the code of the game. And so I was already, like, it's kind of funny. I, I used to write code, like, quick basic and stuff as a kid just for fun. Um, <laughs> and uh, I, I was just kind of fascinated by it. And that that's kind of what kind of gave me the understanding that the code is written a certain way in the games, that certain things are possible and not possible because the way they were coded. Um, so when you think of the rule sets and the, how the game is played, you're always thinking back, okay, well, how is the game written and how can I manipulate that code or play to my best ability with, knowing that the game changes. Were there a lot of opportunities to play like in tournaments or obviously now it's so hard to compare to uh, like the 90s um, and early 2000s to now, but yeah, well the 90s, I mean, there was a lot of tournaments. I mean, there was lots of tournaments online. Um, mm -hmm. You know, Quake was uh, a massively popular game in 1996 and I basically played in every tournament I could find in the 90s uh, in, the, in the mid late 90s. Um, so yeah, playing the Blockbuster tournament was like, okay, a console game, da, 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 like it's not that important, you know. Uh, but like, you know, Mortal Kombat had tournaments, had the, had the Evo mm -hmm. uh, tournament, and I've always wanted to go to play in that tournament when I was a kid, um, because I thought I was very talented at Mortal Kombat 2, especially. Uh, my dad, I, I convinced my main, uh, I, I was a, I, I counterpick a lot, That's smart but strategy. if I had to pick a character, I mean, I like Scorpion, uh, I like, um, Sub-Zero is really good, you know, I just pick like characters that really good, had like really good basics, mm -hmm. um, it wasn't really about the specials, uh, like the special moves, I mean, when you're playing against a really good player, it's really hard to get it off. Mm -hmm. um, because they're always going to counter it and do a move on you and so forth. So it comes down to like how good a fighting style the player has, and does he have defense like on a a jump kick or a defense you jump in and you hit an uppercut or whatever the deal is. So um, 
But yeah, I, I convinced my dad to buy the Mortal Kombat 2 arcade machine and put it into a pool <laughs> hall. Uh, so, uh, so I used to play a lot, and um, you know, obviously I had free credits. Um, but um, I I played a lot of Mortal Kombat 1, 2, and 3. Those were my three main games uh, that I played as uh, a player versus player type of game when I was 11, 12, and 13. Um, yeah, NBA Jam was just a game that came out later, but I was actually much better at Mortal Kombat. And then when when did you make the jump from like the arcade console games to to having PC or building a PC? You know, I had a PC basically my whole life. Uh, you know, a really bad one, a 286, 12 megahertz one. Um, so basically, you're doing nothing on that. <laughs> uh, just like you know, flight simulator and golf. Mm-hmm. Uh, you spend a lot of time in DOS prompt. <laughs> Uh, Mortal Kombat 1, 2, and 3 came out, you know, early 90s. So I played those. I was an arcade guy 100%. Wolfenstein 3D came out, I think, in like 1993, 94. Mm-hmm. Um, and I started playing Wolfenstein 3D a, a bunch. I loved that game. You're running around sh- you know, shooting these Nazis and so forth. It was, you know, shooting demons and all this kind of stuff. It was pretty a wild game, uh, especially for my first experience of playing a first-person shooter. Mm-hmm. Um, I really thought... First-person shooters especially was like, I'm free. I can now go wherever I want to go. I can move through this hallway. I'm not limited to this 2D screen of playing a fighter game. Because when you're playing Mortal Kombat, you're only limited to that that, that 50 feet or 60 feet of fighting ground, right? Right. And you have the backdrop, but you can't interact in the the background and so forth. So I always felt limited in the the fighters uh, games. So when I played a first-person shooter game, I was like, wow, I can go anywhere in the game now i can go fight anywhere i can create my own fight you know mm-hmm. uh so i can fight I can, I can create my advantage point quake one came out in 1996 uh obviously i played doom 2 as mm-hmm. well I, my my friends had two computers at their house network cabled so we used to play doom 2 a little bit with my neighbors mm-hmm. and i thought that was amazing uh, but when quake one came out i begged for a computer and uh, i was like i need a computer i am not waiting any longer like how many, you know, how many yards I have to mow? How how many? How much snow do I have to shovel? Like, what does it take to get a computer? I need one, and so I was kind of like, whatever it took. And my mom at the time, uh, she, you know, she was like, okay, let's get the computer for Jonathan. He can use for schoolwork. Play Quake. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I basically started playing Quake One, and then uh, played a lot, lot, and then there was tournaments. In 1996, 1997, locally in my city at this internet cafe, and I went to my very first tournament. I think I was 15, 15 and a half or so, almost turning 16, and I won the tournament by one frag, and uh, I was like so ecstatic. And I was like, I got, I think I got like a free month of internet cafe use. I can go to, the, I can yeah. go to this cafe. It had T1 line. I could play Quake from there with a 70 or ping or 60 ping, whatever it was. And I was like, wow, this is heaven. <laughs> Because back then on dial-up, you're dealing with, you know, typically like a 200 millisecond ping or more. Mm-hmm. Uh, and just basically a lot of latency, a lot of lag. Uh, so having the lower ping made me even more deadly. Uh, so actually, it's kind of a funny story about my name, Fatality. So you can see uh, here, it's Fatal1TY. Um, but my name back then was actually just Fatality. It was with an I. Fatal is Fatality. F-A-T-A-L-I-T-Y. And... What I did is the the one actually represented T one line, so oh. that's when I was playing on a T one line. All right. Uh, so so I kept my stats different because like this leaderboard is like well, like I can't be number you know it's really hard to beat these guys who are LPBs they're, they're sort of like low ping bastards, oh. and, and, <laughs> and so 
I was the HPB, so I was the high ping bastard. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, but yeah, so that was kind of the the stories back then. But yeah, then I basically I got broadband at my house in 1999, and then I was like, well, I guess I'm just fatality with the one now. Uh, because I always get number one leaderboards when I have broadband. <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, it became, it became like my thing. And then it became like, oh, you have a one in your name because you're number one in the world. And like, actually, it's not. A, I mean, it's kind of based on that. But yeah, I mean, yeah, I guess so. so you're like, yes, uh, now. <laughs> yeah, now, now that I won a world championship. Uh, but it was just an online leaderboard. So I didn't really think I was the best in the world. I was just, you know, really good on this one server. And 1999 was when when your, when your professional career solidified and... And yeah, off, so basically right? 1996, 1999, I played in tournaments all across the Midwest, online, wherever I could find a tournament. I won every tournament I entered for three years. And and then my friends uh, from, uh, I think they were from um, from somewhere in Kansas. I forget the Dorado, Kansas, Kansas, I forgot, but uh, near Wichita. And they told me how good I was. We we're actually in the game playing Quake 1, and they were like, dude, you're like really good. I'm like, I don't think. It's like, dude. There's no one, I've played no one as good as you, period. doesn't exist. And I'm like, okay, well, whatever. Like, I'm like 17, 18 years old, and I'm just like, <laughs> whatever. You know, like, I, I'm still in high school. Like, I'm not trying to make a living out of playing video games. <laughs> it's just, you know, but he's like, you should go to to bigger tournaments. I started traveling up to Nebraska and some other friends from up there that actually did travel, like, internationally to play video games. Like, sponsors would fly them in and, hey, play with our mouse, and you can play in this tournament. And, but they didn't win anything. Like they, it was like it was all for show and for kind of like glory, I guess, mm-hmm. uh, for bragging rights. So um, he, that guy from Nebraska was uh, Eric. His name was Batch, and their player was named DJ Wheat, um, Marcus Graham. He works for Twitch now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I've known him since I was fifteen. Wow. Uh, so yeah, so I've known him forever. And so I used to go to his LAN parties, and, and those guys saw my talent, and they were like, "Yeah, you need to go play in the big tournaments." Like they're giving away twenty five grand in Dallas, Texas, uh, this Halloween in nineteen ninety nine, and I'm like, oh really? And it's like, <laughs> and it's like, and they're like, yeah, you should definitely go. And it's like, well, do you think I'll win money? And it's like, dude, if you go, you are definitely winning money. Like, there's no question. And I'm like, oh, okay. So then I saved up like five hundred bucks, had five hundred bucks in my bank account, and I remember traveling down to Texas and I spent all my money. <laughs> I went to the qualifier the week beforehand to get a higher seed in the tournament. Mm-hmm. I won the qualifier. I won five hundred fifty dollars cash right on the spot. I was like, "Oh my god! Like this is, I'm already in the plus. I've already doubled <laughs> my bank account in the first weekend. This is insane." And uh, yeah, so then after that, I I went on to play in the main tournament and, and uh, ended up taking uh, third, unfortunately. Uh, but I, it gave me a lot of a lot of angst and a lot of uh, uh, you know uh, energy to train even harder for the next tournament and. Uh, I went on to win like four thousand dollars that tournament. So I won like I, I walked walked home with forty five hundred dollars over two weekends. What did uh, you so. do? You walked in the door and you were like, "Hey, mom, look." <laughs> <laughs> well, there's a deeper story there. Uh, so yeah, so my mom she grounded me right before the tournament, uh, and right before my high school graduation. Uh, so what? I moved out of my mom's house two weeks before high, my high school graduation. Wow. Moved in with my dad. And my dad, I told my dad, I was like, I have to go to this tournament. I have to find out if I'm good or not. I have to find out. And so I made a handshake deal with my, handshake deal with my dad. I was like, hey, if I don't win any significant money, I'll just quit. 
And uh, and then so I went to tournament and came home and slapped that four thousand dollar check on the table. I was like, look, Dad, I made four thousand dollars so we can play a video game. <laughs> and what's this world coming to? That's kind of was what I was saying in the nineties. I mean, the, the tournaments were there, so the money, the the prize pots were there. But I'm sure a lot of people like your dad just could have never even imagined that it would get to that point. And then of course nowadays it's even more crazy and so after that first tournament was it a pretty fast progression into yeah the basically two weeks later uh, a sponsor reached out to me and says hey we'd like to fight to sweden to represent usa and play in this big tournament in sweden so i was like yes i'm 100 I'm going yeah and um, you know my dad he was really kind of happy i made the money obviously but he was like man if you can do this on the side and make that side money while doing your main profession or job you're gonna have a much easier life you know, like, life would be easier. And I was like, yeah, I mean, that's what I'm going to try to do. Like, you know, I was still going to college. I was going to college at DeVry part-time and so forth. Um, and then eventually when I was leading up to that tournament in Sweden, I started to realize that, okay, I should really focus 100% on my gaming uh, over my college uh, degree. Or I was just starting. I just got out of high school. And uh, I talked to my counselor at the school, and he was like, it sounds like you're doing pretty well with this gaming thing and you're making pretty good money. I would just go do that for now. And then when you're done doing that and you have your money come back and we'll still, we'll still give you the education. <laughs> and so he was a kind of like really cool about it. And, uh, you know, obviously I went to Sweden to represent USA. I played against the top 12 guys in the world at the time in Quake 3 Arena. And I beat all of them. I won 18 games straight, losing zero. And uh, I walked up to the sponsor and I go, hey, you should sponsor me. <laughs> and they were like, and uh, they're like, why would we, why would we sponsor you? I was like, well, I'm the best in the world. <laughs> so, and uh, it was like, wouldn't you like me to be wearing your shirt at the tournament in two months in April uh, for the summer CPL tournament? And they were like, okay. So then they they said, let me talk to the, the CEO and we'll get back to you. We landed literally from Sweden from winning the tournament, landed in Chicago on the connecting flight to uh, you know to wherever we have to go. And I met him at the baggage claim, and he says, yep, we're going to sponsor you. And so it was like a sweet little deal. It was like 30000 a year plus all paid travel expenses, everything. Wow. And, uh, and then I went on to win the tournament uh, uh, that summer event, and then I went on to win a bunch more. I, th I think I made probably uh, – I mean, it came out to be like, like hundred fifty grand I made in about you know 16 months or so. You're um, like, Dad, see, part-time now. Yeah. yeah <laughs> it's it like was, it doesn't it need was, to be part-time. Yeah, no, it was definitely full-time. I, mean, I I quit everything to mm -hmm. focus 100% on my gaming career at that point. And then basically I, I caught the wave and I, you know, made all that money and got a lot of exposure. And, and I was always trying to show esports as like, hey, you can make a living playing video games. And that really was never told and never seen before, really, to the extent that I was doing it at, at. And I was living solely off my tournament winnings. It put a lot of stress on you because, uh, yeah. you know, you have to win. I, I still feel like esports is a lot like that still today. It's really based on you have to win. And um, there's no there's no like this. These contracts that like, you know, NFL players get like, oh, you're 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 in like mm -hmm. you're going to make million. You're going to make a million, you know, whatever deal is. It's it's still a grind today in esports, you know, and um, the amount of work and effort it takes to be a pro these days is, you know, just like it was back when I played. I mean, you know, you got to be training all day, every day, every second. Practice, practice, practice. Kind of like my slogan. You know, if you're not practicing, you should be practicing. <laughs> so that, that was, uh, you know, I, I really stuck to the regiment and I treat it like a sport. You know, mm -hmm. I think you should be healthy. I think you should not be 
eating junk food. I think you should be not drinking alcohol. I think, you know, there's a lot of things I think about how to get an advantage over your opponent. I did a lot of A-B testing on myself, like testing things out. Like if I, if I, start, if I run two miles every day, oh, that, that for some reason, like my hand coordination feels like it's a little better. Like, oh, I'm a little more, I have more of a clear thought when I'm playing my game and so forth. And I can see that I'm shooting faster and more, more responsive. And so I started using all those things to enhance my gameplay in the virtual battlefield. And training takes up a lot of the time out, you know, in between tournaments. Did you have people that you trained with? It was mostly solo tournaments, right? Like you were like not really on teams or did you do team tournaments too? Yeah, so I won one world championship in team play, four and four in Quake 3, but I won 11 championships playing uh, 1v1. And so 1v1 is very much like, you know, look at mixed martial arts like, you know, the UFC or boxing or anything like that. It's the same thing. You're just playing against another, another human being that has skills and talents in certain different categories and you're trying to find his weakness uh so just like if you're playing if you're in ufc and you're fighting against a guy and he's really good at you know striking uh he's really good at throwing punches you might not want to stand toe 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 with him and punch with him <laughs> you might want to you know get, get to the ground and work on the grappling because that's his that's his weak spot right you're trying to find your opponent's weakness and use that against them at all times so when i used to train i trained against a lot of people just people that had a lot of talent either aim strategy they're very defensive players they're very offensive players and so forth and when you're playing against the best player in the world uh, or one of the best players in the world, they have all those skills. Top three guys in the world, all they're all very talented. I mean, when you got the top eight, I feel like top eight was kind of like, uh, like, you know, I never really, I was never really that scared of a top eight guy um, mm -hmm. just because they always like lacked like one major thing. But when you're dealing with like a top three guy, he usually has all the tricks, all the moves. He knows. He knows what you're going to do before you're going to do it. And that's kind of like was my skill. I always, I could always detect when someone was going to change gears. And I, I know how you're going to die now. Like, <laughs> it's kind of weird. Uh, I, I would know, okay, you want to change to strategy? Well, you're going to die at the mega health. Oh, you want to be offensive? You can, an offensive player can die anywhere. A defensive player usually dies because you drain him from all the resources and eventually he is basically has nothing and then he's literally just press forward and go kill him when he's weak really weak yeah, um, absolutely. and so yeah and then once you get a person pissed off uh <laughs> it's, it's the best uh so that's that's kind of what you try to do is try to piss off people in the game and make them do make make them make mental errors and make make mistakes just like you do in a sport we're going to continue our conversation with fatality right after this I'm Katie Barber, and you're listening to The Meta right here on San Antonio Sports Star, ESPN AM 1250 and 94.5 FM. The Meta with Katie Barber on San Antonio Sports Star. Welcome back to The Meta right here on San Antonio Sports Star, ESPN AM 1250, 94.5 FM. I've got pro gamer Fatality here with me today, and we're getting ready to jump back into how he leveraged his world-class gaming skills into business success. So you were saying that after that tournament in Sweden, you walked up and you were like, hey, sponsor me. That business acumen or that sense for business has really helped you maintain this brand well into 2021. I mean, you're still really active. I don't know if you're, are you competing in games? Um, I, do, I do like exhibitions and so forth, but I, I've been live streaming a lot mm -hmm. um, and just, you know, I, I still love playing. So I never lost the hunger and, and uh, the desire to play. I mean, I'm totally happy um, gaming my whole life. <laughs> I, I'm sure I'll do it till the day I die. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, I still love being very much involved in the scene and 
And you know, some of the companies I'm building right now, like I'm building this new company called Ready Up. So basically the whole idea is to help, you know, people discover these events are going on, help them engage with the with the events that are going on, also help them transact. Uh, so we're a B2B company. We're trying to help uh, people that have mass audiences and so forth. And right now we're working with ESL. We just did a thing with NBC Olympics uh, to show that our platform can work outside of esports and gaming. Um, so, but yeah, we're just very excited about, uh, you know, it's been a passion project of mine a long time uh, to, you know, I want to help the masses and the casual gamers be more involved in what's going on at the competitive level. Like, they should definitely tune in and watch a big match, especially if they're a fan of like a team or org or a, a specific player. They should definitely be tuning into those live matches. And just like we tune in for Sunday Night Football or, you know, every Sunday or whatever the deal is, whatever sport you love, um, you tune in to watch it live because it's kind of cool to see it when it happens. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I want that same thing to happen for esports and happen more. And it's already happening, but I just want it to happen more. And, and that's what Ready Up is to help drive that. And as somebody who's been involved in esports for decades, how do you feel about the accessibility of esports and and how the industry has changed? Well, I mean, obviously, you know, Twitch uh, has done an amazing job making esports much more attainable. Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, everyone's done an amazing job to help it grow. When I was playing, we didn't really have all of those tools, so I had to rely on mainstream media. So, you know, I got I got featured top 10 ESPN uh, before uh, and that was like one of my life goals. Like I make top 10 ESPN sports center. Like I, I made it <laughs> like, you know, I did have a very bad haircut that day, though. <laughs> <laughs> I, I remember it very well. But, yeah, I mean, I was beating all these people at E3 in L.A. I was playing the Unreal Tournament the, when I got featured on MTV True Life. And, yeah, I mean, for me, it was all about getting mainstream coverage. Uh, 60 Minutes did a whole feature on mm-hmm. me. I got Business Week front page. I yeah, uh, got Time Fo- Magazine. Forbes and Bloomberg. Everyone was so interested in my story that you can make a living playing video games. And, you know, I was the number one gamer in the world for a decade, basically, for earnings. And uh, But they were not really – they were amazed about that winning tournament and so forth. They were like, well, he also created a multi-million dollar business selling computer hardware to gamers across the world to over 100 countries. And they're like, okay, he's completely doing something different than than what we know. Mm-hmm. And so, and now you look at almost every gamer today, every influencer, they're all creating their, their own brands and, and selling against their market and so forth. And you really kind of see, you know, them kind of like, you know, copying the blueprint to some degree in the gaming space. I mean, so if it's yes, a blueprint but, of success, then, you know, <laughs> might as well try. Well, it's just, you know, and I, I didn't look too far either. I mean, I looked at, like, professional athletes, and I looked mm-hmm. at, like, how, you know, Jordan created his Air Jordan brand. And so it wasn't, like, hard for me to look at other people that also created their own brands in their traditional sports. I was like, why doesn't it exist in esports? Why doesn't it exist in gaming? And so I always look at gaming as a sport and people that really didn't see it that way um in the you know late 90s early 2000s they looked at the people just playing games i was like no this is like a this is competitive this is like i mean i'm handshaking guys hands before and after matches like just like i would in traditional sport there's still like a match that's being played and this match you cannot do in real life it's impossible and so that's what always amazed me about just playing games on the computer and playing online or you know obviously playing at physical events like against someone where there's no there's no internet lag in the way uh it really shows like people's skills uh you know their hand-eye coordination how they can track opponents how they can shoot you know shoot people in the head you know and or, or whatever the deal is in the game uh and it's very magical when it happens when, when people do a certain thing in the game that they've never done before never seen before 
Uh, it makes the crowd go crazy. Uh, I remember when I was playing Doom 3 and in the game you could shoot out these lights in the game and you could create shadows. People didn't know about that. They didn't know that the game could even do that kind of thing. When I was in the finals for the inaugural Doom 3 tournament, it was 25 grand I won that tournament. I remember at, in the final match I shot the lights, then I hid in the corner and literally I'm completely like like in like in gray like in the shadow and the guy literally just runs right by my shoulder and the whole crowd like 2,000 plus people just like oh my god <laughs> uh, and Marcus Graham actually commentated he, he's the one that commentated that moment and he was like what just happened oh like it was gosh. just it was kind of crazy so I was always about like in the biggest moment I always wanted to kind of shine the most and I would always do something kind of flashy because I want to show everything that the game has to offer and sometimes people never see it before so I always try to be like you know I always try to show the game to its fullest potential and show all the things you could do and try to be entertaining too for the for the spectators I mean that's that's why they watch absolutely and that's a great story I I could feel like I could imagine sitting in the crowd and losing my mind over something like that happening I just remember looking at the crowd and I was like everyone's mouth was like like just, it was just like I just remember just looking at like a sea of people and just everyone's in shock and then you then you heard like the after banter like of everyone oh. telling their friend like what just happened and uh, so what, was, what did the was, other players say at the like after the he game? had no idea even happened I mean because he doesn't he didn't he didn't see me <laughs> so, oh my gosh. yeah but like you know obviously after the tournament I'm sure everyone told him <laughs> yeah he's like oh man he got you when we first recorded this. This was just days before the new MMO, New World, came out, and he brought up how he was excited to play it, but had never really given MMOs a chance. So I'm going to go ahead and skip ahead a little bit to here. Um, but I just never played MMOs. I, I always, uh, you know, I always had kind of a rule that I, I never want to get sidetracked when I'm trying to be a world champion at a game. <laughs> um, so I'm always like, okay, I got, you know, 8, 12, 16 hours a day at playing that one specific game. Um, so like when World of Warcraft came out, I didn't really play it because I saw it as a weakness. I was like, if anyone plays WoW and trying to be a world champion at Quake or Unreal Tournament or Painkiller or wherever the game is, they have no chance. <laughs> they, like, they, like, they, are, they have zero chance because the amount of time that these MMO, MMO games take from you, the, mm -hmm. time, the time commitment, there's just no way you could ever be good at both. And, and so I learned that my whole life. I used to be the Renaissance man in high school. I played every sport known to man, you know, even as number one team captain on the tennis team at a 5A school, I knew I was never going pro. Uh, you know, it wasn't my life. Mm -hmm. And so eSports, I felt like gaming, like really gave me that chance. Like, okay, this is something new, fresh. If I can dedicate all my energy, all my time, every second of my life, I have a chance. So that was kind of my motto for almost a decade. Have you, you're still, you still compete competitive, like in competitive ladders, right? In, in certain games, I'm sure. Um, I, I wouldn't say I compete in some of the ladders so much anymore. I mean, I did in PUBG. I guess in PUBG in 2017, uh, when that game came out, I decided to compete in the online leaderboards. Mm -hmm. And actually, I got to number one in North America for solos. Wow. Uh, people were watching me live stream, and they were like, why don't you do like your old tactics, like your old strategy, like getting into number one? I'm like, okay, that's good content. I get, I'll, I'll try to go for it. I'll, I'll dedicate all my energy to that one thing. And so I decided I was going to run, run up the NA solo boards. And then, you know, for 10 days, I held the number one spot. It took a month and a half to get there. Oh, wow. Um, so it took about 12, 16 hours a day um, for about a month and a half. 
And it just basically I was just training every day. I'd hop on, play, hop on, train, practice, play, tune my tune my sensitivity, tune my settings, tune everything. And you're just trying to get better every day. And then uh, eventually I got to like the top ten and then top five. And then I I think I had to win back to back to take over the number one spot. Oh wow! The thing is like these leaderboards like. If you take 60th by accident or 90th by accident one time, bam, you just lose all the work you worked on. So, and I got a back-to-back -back win, and I my my elo just shot up like a rocket, and uh, and all the other guys are below me. They, they were like, "Oh, do we risk going down from number two to number five or number <laughs> three to number ten? Like, because like losing is so so. Like, I literally sat there at number one for ten days. I didn't play anymore. I was like, ah. Oh, I'm going to let it sit there, and I'm, I'm going to go play with my friends now. So PUBG was one of my favorite games in 2017, and I was happy to make a number one in North America for solos. And then I think in 2018, 2019, I did a, a tournament down in uh, Mexico City. They had a USA team, so it consists of two active pros in PUBG, a McCoy in Vegas, uh, and then myself, and then Avery, uh, another uh, uh, PUBG influencer. And so the four of us went down to Mexico City to play against the top 16 teams in Mexico. Wow. And we ended up winning five of the six games and winning the the Nation vs. Nation Cup. Wow. Uh, so it was, so it you're was still cool, at it. I, 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 yeah, so I, I like playing these games, and I'm, I'm pretty good at them. So. That's awesome. <laughs> was, and, I mean, in PUBG, I mean, as, in terms of genres of shooters PUBG was one of the first for popularizing the battle royale genre which is now kind of over i mean if you look look at the front page of twitch on any given day you know battle royales are, are really high up there yeah which is probably nice to get a a fresh feeling competition oh for me it's it's everything like i think every game that i played there's a different fighting ability so in quake it was very fast and agile and you're just anything can happen you're just flying around and and you're shooting people but then like in Unreal tournament it felt like it was always like a medium to far fight and you know and then obviously like in counter-strike it was always kind of like a medium to far fight you really have no like really close fights because just the fight would be over like in a second and painkiller it was much what kind of did a throwback to quake one and it was really fast and chaotic again but most of the games today you see kind of like it's a much slower game nowadays it's definitely not as fast as that what i used to play and i, I think it's just the skill the skill gap and playing those earlier games was just something different. And they're they're called arena shooters for a reason because mm -hmm. they're just so crazy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, I enjoy playing the new games too. I'm looking forward to uh, playing New World and then um, and then obviously Battlefield later this year. Mm-hmm. 2042. I'll make sure that we'll include links to your social media, to your Twitch, so people can check you out. You see, how often a week do you stream? Um, well, I'll be I'll be streaming a lot for New World. You know, it kind of comes down to when I can go live and so forth. Yeah. So it's just uh, I. Some weeks it could be, you know, one one day a week. Some day, sometimes it's seven days a week, yeah. 90 hours. <laughs> just, what, just depends on what's going on. Yeah, it depends on what's going on and how busy I am. But uh, I'm, I'm looking awesome. forward to playing New World and Battlefield a lot this year. So there'll be a lot of, there'll be a lot of live streams and a lot of content I'll be putting up on, on my YouTube channel as well uh, throughout the, the, la the end of the year. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. You are the perfect first guest for the meta to really shed light and give perspective on kind of what we're what we get to experience now and how far. I mean, it. what I love listening to is just how you you were playing in front of 2000 people. I think people have this idea that esports didn't really pick up until Twitch existed, which it's a very it's a misconception. Yeah, Maybe. I mean, I think the first tournament, even in 1999, there was, uh, you know, hundreds of people at the Frag 3 watching you know in just like a stadium like with projector watching the finals you know you're watching the match with all your other competitors and then in 2000 i mean gosh we played um 
we played the tournament at, at CPL Summer Event, and that was a, we had like probably three to five hundred people in the crowd there. And then obviously the biggest one, you know, I went to World Cyber Games in South Korea, and we had some you know, most of the players watching. Then I guess then too, in two thousand five was really when we proved that people would watch games on the internet. Um, so we had over ninety countries tune in for my World Championship match in two thousand five. Uh, where it was the CPR World Tour, the $1 million World Tour that I won. Um, and that was on MTV Overdrive. And they said they had more traffic watching our final match than they ever had on the VMAs. Wow. And so it was like, they were like, holy crap, this gaming thing. Like, people will actually tune in to watch these two guys duke it out and fight out. And it was like, of course they will. I mean, we all tune in to watch a boxing match when you mm -hmm. have like Floyd Mayweather versus uh, Conor McGregor. You know, it's like everyone's going to tune in to watch that because it's the hype and the excitement of that fight is just too much. Everyone has to watch it, right? And uh, back in 2005, I had my moment where, you know, I was the number one gamer in the world playing against the number one player in that Pacific game in the world. And so it was really kind of a clash of two people and, and people loved that excitement and it didn't hurt that there was a million dollar world tour around it. So. <laughs> yeah, people like, uh, a million dollars. Yeah, they're like, oh my God, you guys are playing for a lot of money. <laughs> uh, and then now you look at like Dota, the Invitational, and League of Legends, and everything else. It's uh, it's really amazing to see how far esports has came. And, and all I can say is I, I, I did my best to win, uh, of course, uh, but also uh, try to raise the bar as much as I could throughout my years. And and show esports in the best light. And it's it's been a great time seeing esports grow to where it is today. And I look forward to the future. Absolutely. And you, you've, you have a huge influence in that too, and paving the way. And I want to say thank you. I mean, I, I watched your MTV True Life, you know, like I've, I've followed you for a while and you were one of my guests on my first gaming podcast, Cake Bites, to talk about esports. So you've been an influence for me and in, in how I've understood in, in the industry. So thank you from me and from other people oh, too. No, thank you very much. Of it was course. a pleasure. Thank you for having me on the meta. I really look forward to your future guests and uh, feel free to ping me anytime. If you guys want to check me out, I'm always uh, live streaming a good amount. And uh, you can find me on you know all the major social networks, just Fatality, Fatal, 1TY. We're going to take another quick break right here on the Meta, your home for everything gaming and esports. When we come back, I'll have San Antonio sports stars own James Pledger with me to dish on gaming and nerd news. You're listening to the Meta on San Antonio sports star ESPN AM 1250 and 94.5 FM. The Meta with Katie Barbo on San Antonio sports star. Welcome back to the Meta here on San Antonio Sports Star, ESPN AM 1250 and 94.5 FM. I'm your host, Katie Barber, and I've got a familiar face here with me to talk about game news. Hello, James Pledger. Welcome back. <laughs> Thanks, Katie. As if you weren't here helping me out <laughs> earlier in the show. <laughs> I go where I'm needed. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I'm excited to sit down and talk because yesterday kicked off one of the biggest launches of November, at least a, a, a big series of launches with Call of Duty Vanguard. Yes. And I, one of my, one of the questions, I wouldn't say it's, it's not my favorite question, but a question I get asked often, including here at the Radio Ranch is, <laughs> which is better, Call of Duty Vanguard or Battlefield, Battlefield 2042? That's kind of the perennial question anytime <laughs> both games come out in a, uh, you know, in the launch in the same year. Uh, and I just, I just want to kind of break down what makes those games different sure. because to me, it's not a one's better than the other. No. They're completely different games in terms of feel, you know, battlefield, heavy on the environmental destruction. Mm -hmm. You've actually got 
in-depth gun physics. You know, you've got bullet drop, you've got gun recoil. That's a lot heavier, at least, than in Call of Duty. You customize your character as you play versus loadouts in Call of Duty that you Mm. get to pick. Though I do like the diamond shotguns (laughs) (laughs) in Call of Duty. And there's also differences with, you know, the way the uh, multi-battle works. Like, you've got airdrops and calling airstrikes, and there are different differences in the two games and it's more kind of what your preference is Mm -hmm. what your gameplay feel is how you like your controller set up like these are all differences in the two games Mm -hmm. to that lead to it's like people when they ask you which you which is better xbox series or playstation 5 it depends on what you like I could start, I could have a whole TED talk on these types of conversations. <laughs> um, but I think the big thing to pay attention to, too, is Call of Duty Vanguard set in World War II. Mm-hmm. Battlefield 2042 is set in 2042. So you're going to have modernity on one side and kind of a look back at historical battles on the Pacific front on the other. And they did this once before with COD, too. Mm-hmm. They, they did an old World War II battle cod at one point so it's kind of going back to the drawing board in a sense and and, and you really got to pay attention to what are the game modes battlefield has no single player game mode at all mm-hmm. you, the closest you get is bots <laughs> bots by yourself in a multiplayer map you've got 128 player multiplayer maps for pc and next gen consoles you've got uh, you don't have zombies vanguard's gonna have zombies just mm-hmm. like the, all of the games in the recent history of COD. Yep, <laughs> yep exactly. So it just really comes down to which do you prefer? Uh, it's not which is better. You know, I, I feel like you could have these conversations conversations <laughs> at nauseum. You could pull people exactly. aside at the mall. Um, but Call of Duty came out yesterday. Vanguard or so Vanguard came out yesterday. They're going to have season one. After season one launches, they're going to be bringing in uh, some new zombies content mm-hmm. and stuff like that in December. So. Just keep in mind that what you've got right now in Vanguard isn't totally what's going to be available to you in a month from now. Uh, Battlefield comes out November 19th. So that's a good kickstart to the month of November. You'll have a good kickstart to the Christmas season. Oh, yes, exactly. You'll have (laughs) kids talking about each other's moms on mic on Christmas. (laughs) Just how it goes. Um, Also that happened this week was we got a possible leak for Gotham Knights. Yes. Yes. I'm so excited about this game. It's, it, you know, it, what's crazy is there's a lot of conversation around it, though, because m- me and you earlier, we were talking mm-hmm. about it, and it was, is this game a part of the Arkhamverse? Because it feels like it via the gameplay trip clips and trailers we've seen, because they talk about the death of Bruce Wayne, and Arkham Knights ended with the death of Bruce Wayne, and you've had the Robins, you've had Nightwing in those series, so it felt like an extension. Right, and, but every time I, I've looked... At various different websites throughout the day today, because I thought it was, and then I saw that it's that that Gotham Knight is actually supposed to be its own story in the Batman universe, but not affiliated with the Arkhamverse. Uh, but what we got to uh, what we got this week was a possible leak about a release window. Yes, uh, they're thinking based on some concept art that was uploaded to an artist portfolio mm-hmm. that says a spring twenty two launch or spring twenty twenty two launch for Gotham Knights. Which makes sense. You see the trailer that's come out. You see the in-depth gameplay that they've shown in clips, especially at events and DC Fandom. Mm-hmm. We, we DC got a good Fandom. Look. We got a good look at it. Um, it looks like it's nearly ready for release. Like it feels like something that's got the finishing touches being put on it and ready to hit shelves soon. And the only thing you have to keep in mind is this is. 
a piece of branding or promotional art that was uploaded to an artist's portfolio website. Mm-hmm. They could have just put a date in there to fill the space um, in turn you, when you think about graphic designs, yes. and spacing and, and whatever. So it could be. They, people are running with it, like really thinking that it's going to be a spring 2022 launch. I know we we want it to be, um, yes. <laughs> but we will see if that's what it comes to. We also got a 15 minute long gameplay trailer for Elden Ring. That's going to be the new Soulsborne game. Oh yeah, yes. That comes from the minds of George R. R. Ma- George R. R. Martin and the other Souls games. Uh, so it's it's going to be a mix of what we like, the gritty combat, the hard combat, unfor- Dark Souls. unforgiving <laughs> dodge rolls. I actually don't know if there's going to be dodge rolls in this one. <laughs> uh, <laughs> some of them haven't had it. Uh, but we do know it's going to have, it's going to be relying really heavy on a magic system. You're going to be able to summon spirits that also can use magical attacks like wind strike to break an enemy's guard. You know, so it'll it'll be a nice new feel to that genre yeah. that is pretty much only it's a it's a genre pretty much developed by one developer, <laughs> <laughs> but but it's good with George R. R. Martin's name behind it. You know, people are excited. I'd also wish that George R. R. Martin would release the the rest of the Game of Thrones books, <laughs> or the Song of Fire and Ice. I Give suppose. me what I want, right? Exactly. But for now, we'll take. Elden Ring, that's going to be coming out uh, next year in February, on February 25th. Well, coming out this week and not gaming news, <laughs> the Eternals dropped, and I'm going to check that out later tonight. I think next week I'll have a full recap for you. Yes, we'll definitely talk about it next week. We, I, I'm also going to be seeing it this weekend, thanks to James. <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> I was planning on seeing it, but I didn't have any hard plans for it. Uh, but in addition to Marvel's uh, Eternals... We've also later this month we're going to be getting Hawkeye, and I don't know too much about the Hawkeye series that they're coming out with. I'm assuming they're trying to make Hawkeye fit in the MCU, like in terms of power scaling. Like <laughs> just compared to all of the other Avengers or all oh, of the yeah. other people in the universe, it's like Hawkeye's strong. Don't get me wrong, yeah. um, but comparatively, he seems a little bit underwhelming. Do you He's know Black Widow? I mean, he is the male Black Widow. He is just a street level type of threat that you know he's good at for what he is is the peak of human conditioning that's all he can be though and they're giving him a really nice what feels like almost send off because the way they're bringing in kate bishop who is in the comics the next mantle of hawkeye and this feels like it's going to have a very Die Hard feel to it, mm-hmm. that Christmassy season feeling show, <laughs> and I'm excited. <laughs> I would love to take a poll on that, whether or not people feel Die Hard is a Christmas movie. I don't know if I'm in that camp, but that's not a conversation for today. Um, <laughs> some some news that I'm not going to talk to too much about, but that mm. was really disappointing for me personally, is the fact that Blizzard has delayed Overwatch 2 and Diablo 4 until 2023. They've been slow rolling content for Overwatch, which is my most played online competitive game because of Overwatch 2. And now I'm hoping that maybe next year we'll actually see some new champions. Do you need a hug? I do. I need need a lot of hugs and loot boxes. That'd be great. (laughs) Loot boxes with good new skins, not what we've been getting recently. So, uh, but uh, we were talking about Eternals and we were talking about Hawkeye and back to gaming a little bit. Guardians of the Galaxy just came out last Mm -hmm. week. And now... 
We have Square Enix is talking about Marvel's Avengers, the the crystal dynamic venture into bringing the Avengers to games. Something to keep in mind: Guardians of the Galaxy not developed by Crystal Dynamics. They were yes. uh, they were uh, Idos Montreal. They completely different. Idos Montreal worked on Avengers, but they were not the primary developers. Idos Montreal came out with a game about Guardians of the Galaxy that was not a game made into an online service. Which was the death kneel mm-hmm. for Marvel's Avengers. And they, here's the thing: <sighs> it feels like that they've learned from the mistakes that they made with Marvel's Avengers. This is not something where you can play as all the characters. You are specifically Peter Quill, following a story map and, and interacting with other Guardians throughout. And it's it's an, it's an amazing game. Um, even though you can only play a Star Lord, what you get from the group dynamic of having the guardians together is it's just amazing the the, the narrative mm-hmm. the, the comments their little dynamics that they have with each other totally it feels so organic and, and depending on what decisions you make sometimes people like rocket will hold grudges against you for a significant <laughs> portion of the game because you made a choice he didn't like. Exactly. So, so there's multiple ways that you can play through the narrative that have different consequences. So it's just like the movies. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, but something to keep in mind for Marvel's Avengers, at least if you're a PlayStation player, you are going to be getting the Spider-Man DLC. Everybody else, you're SOL. Uh, but for PlayStation players... You'll be getting Spidey. That's why PS rocks. Yeah, yeah. I know. That's like a whole other TED Talk that we can have. <laughs> and I wish we had news on whether or not you could buy PlayStation 5s or Xbox Series Xs uh, before Christmas. But maybe we'll get news on updates. I know a guy. Right. <laughs> Don't worry. I know a guy. You know a guy? I know a guy. I know some guys you can follow on Twitter. That's, not, that's the extent of it. Um, but hopefully they'll have some restocks on those before the end of the year. But right now they're still looking like they're hard to find. This was a lot of fun. I know. Is that it? Is that we're, all the time we're we got? running out of time? Oh my goodness! And I, I, I wish my notes weren't so long. Um, <laughs> I love your long, detailed notes. <laughs> but for a first episode on the meta with James Pleasure, Pl- Pleasure. <laughs> oh, no. That's your uh, stage name. Yeah, apparently <laughs> at Chippendales. No, <laughs> on the first episode, the inaugural episode of the meta on San Antonio Sports Star. I was so happy to have James here to talk with me because these are the conversations we have at my cubicle every <laughs> single day, <laughs> and now we c- I get to bring them to you, and that means a lot for and me. And we get to bring them to you. Yes, yes. <laughs> That's it for the first episode of the meta. I'd like to thank uh, Jonathan Fatality for oh, yeah. his story i mean it was fantastic and thank you for having me on katie of course thank you so much i can't wait to be back next week hopefully (laughs) fingers crossed (laughs) fingers crossed see you next time on san antonio sports star espn am 1250 and 94.5 fm on the meta